The Utah Utes and Stanford Cardinal face off this Saturday in what should be another exciting Pac-12 showdown. But what are the biggest stories? Who has the edge? And what else intrigues us about this game? We're talking about it on today's show. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Appreciate all of you who have helped us reach over 560 subscribers. Love interacting with you guys on the comments as well as on social media at JT Wistersill or at Locked On Utes 2. Uh, also, today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's promo code Locked On, all caps, and there's a space between Locked and On. So, Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And joining me today to break down this fun game between Utah and Stanford is Stanford Rivals publisher Ben Parker. Ben, appreciate you joining us today. And this is an interesting matchup just in terms of looking at the biggest stories in this game because, look, the line for Utah is they're favored by 24, so they're expected to win. Stanford coming off a rough game against Washington State. Um, In terms of the biggest storylines, I'll start with Utah. I think for Utah, a lot of people are curious who's going to walk just because it is senior day first. We expect Clark Phillips to underclassmen. Um, I think Cam Rising, and there's a couple other running backs and players that um, have a lot of people curious about who's going to walk. But as it pertains to the game, I think for Utah fans, it's how does Cam Rising look? Because Cam Rising did not start the game great against Arizona, missed some throws that he usually makes, settled in and made some nice ones, especially to Devon Vele. I don't expect Dalton Kincaid to play, so his main target is not going to be there for another game in this one. But I feel like for Utah, it's making sure Cam looks good, looks ready to go in preparation for that game against Oregon the following week. But Utah's still got to focus on Stanford because Stanford's still a team that, look, they went on the road and got a really good win at Notre Dame, but just at an interesting point right now for their program. Yeah, definitely. I think you. I think that's a, that's a, fair, that's a very fair assessment for sure. How do you look at it for Stanford? What kind of are the biggest stories and things for the Cardinal going into this game that intrigues you? Yeah, um, I mean, for one thing, um, you know, probably the biggest thing that intrigues me uh, is just how are they going to navigate this running back situation? Mm-hmm. Uh, they came into the season with EJ Smith, Emmett Smith's son, um, as their as their RB one, um, and Casey Falcons was the RB two. Um, those guys were both out. Smith was out for the year uh, since the uh, he didn't. I'm trying to even play against USC. He didn't play against USC. He played against Colgate. Um, no, he did play against USC, but like a, a okay. couple of snaps, and then he was done, you know. Uh-huh. And then, then he then he missed the Oregon game, but then, it, like somewhere in, in between that and the Oregon game, they they announced that he was done for the year, had surgery, so he's out. Um, and then Casey Filkins got hurt against Arizona State on a late hit out of bounds, um, and then now they're you know uh, running back, you know, uh, Brendan Barrow is out for this week. Caleb Robinson's out for this week. Um, they're, they're having guy, they're having Mitch Legbert play running back. Who's actually a safety. Um, so our subscribers have been joking that, uh, playing running back for Stanford is like being a drummer at Spinal Tap <laughs> because so many guys keep going, get going down. So yep. I'm very interested to see how they manage the, the running game. And then also just how much do they throw, um, as well, because they're really going to really rely on that running on that passing game to, to do, to do anything. So 
that's probably the big thing. Um, and then also as well, the other key thing is uh, the defense. Uh, the defense has been getting better each week, but uh, last week four defensive starters went down in the first drive. Right. Kind of some bad mm-hmm. luck there. So we'll just there's a lot of injuries and things they're navigating, and it's interesting to see um, with the weeks of preparation if they can be any better than last week. Yeah, it is kind of interesting just talking about Stanford, looking at how their season's kind of played out. I mean, you look at it the first week, you get the win versus Colgate, you mentioned, look, you lose to USC, but you score 28 points. So you're like, okay, this could be something. We know how good Oregon is now after that. Um, Oregon State, a neck-and-neck game could have gone either way. But then you get the big win at Notre Dame, follow that up with a win against Arizona State. And sure, you lo- you get throttled by UCLA, but that's a top-10 team, even though the committee doesn't feel like it is right now. And then you look at Washington State, um, what just, what do you think kind of happened and how would you characterize what's going on with this Stanford team, a team that could go on the road to Notre Dame and get a win there? Something we just saw Clemson wasn't able to do, but yet uh, home against Washington state score, lets them go for 52 and then only scores 14 points. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think, uh, I think it's kind of tough to kind of pinpoint what exactly the issue is. Um, I, I think you have a few issues. Um, number one, um, just is the injury component, um, yeah. you know, when you, when you're down to that, when you're down to uh, a safety playing running back, that's no good. Um, you know, they've also had some offensive line issues. They're finally healthier there, but their star offensive lineman, Branson Bragg missed the entire season due to, due to concussions. And he's, he medically retired because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then just the, the injuries against Washington state were kind of crazy. So, you know, injuries has been a problem. Um, and then, too, just in general, this is kind of a fragile team. They're coming off a three and nine season, so um, these these are guys that are not used to winning. Um, it's, it's been a while since they've been a part of a winning program, and it's just hard, I think, for guys to um, figure out how to win and navigate these kind of challenges when you haven't done it in a while. Um, you know, um, so yeah, I mean, those are those are kind of those are kind of the main those are kind of the main cha- those are kind of the main kind of challenges. Um, and then, you know, also, too, you know, there are certain guys that you would like to, to get a little bit more out of as well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Kyle Blue Kelly came in as, like, the top uh, defensive player on the entire team, first team all Pac-12. He's kind of had a quiet season. Jonathan McGill has had kind of a quiet season. He did get a Pac-12 Player of the Week award defensively against uh, right. for the Notre Dame game. So, he's you know, he's had some moments. But um, there's also some guys that you'd like to see more out of. Um, um, but the, the encouraging thing for them is, especially on the defensive side, is they've got some really talented freshmen that are starting to come on in David Bailey and RJ Cooper, um, and, uh, some other guys. So, I mean, there's definitely like the cupboard isn't totally bare there defensively. Yeah. Um, but when you got some kind of young youth and experience in defense, and then you just get so depleted on offense, it becomes tough. How do you feel about the Stanford team going to Utah at this moment? Do you? F- I feel like Utah is going to cover this game. I feel like they're going to cover that twenty-four point line. How do you feel like they'll respond after a really tough loss at home against Washington State? Yeah. So, um, what did I? The way I the way I phrased it to our subscribers is, as I said uh, in my recap, you can read the recap from the Washington State game. I, I said I expect Utah to get rocked like a hurricane. I expect Stanford to get rocked like a hurricane. I, I thought you were making a joke. There you go. I thought you were. No, 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 no. I said I expect Stanford to get rocked like a hurricane at Utah, but for 24 to 72 hours a year, a female uh, panda is capable of uh, conceiving a cup once a year. So I mean, <laughs> that's so, a good point. That's a good point. I like that. I've never heard well, that before. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I mean, so I mean, it's possible that they. I mean, you never know. But, but I mean, I mean, I fully expect to win this game. 
Um, and I would expect them to cover. It's just yeah. it's just kind of obvious, right? I think especially after the way Utah went in there to Stanford and just slaughtered them. So I, there's absolutely like no yeah. reason to think Stanford's going to make this game even remotely close. Um, but, you know, that said, as I said with the Panda analogy, you never know. Things do happen that are weird. And, um, you know, um, I, I would say this too. Um, you know, there there have been a couple of times where Stanford has won game. People really didn't think they would win. No one thought they'd win that Notre Dame game. They were underdogs yeah. by like 17 points, and they won that game. Um, and nobody thought they would beat Oregon a year ago at home when they won that game. So, I mean, they're, they they do occasionally seem to rise to the challenge. Um, and I also know, too, that this is a game that they've kind of had circled on their calendars the entire yeah, year. Yeah, because last year, as you mentioned. Those the last year. So, over 100 yards, crazy. So I think the best hope for, for Stanford is that kind of two things, that they keep it close, that maybe they cover the spread, maybe they lose by 17 or something. They still lose, but it's not a complete blowout. And then I, I think the real key for Stanford in this game, not to say don't try to win, because I mean you, you got to win every game you can, you got to try to win every game you can. But I, I think the bigger thing for Stanford, honestly, um, is to just make sure they don't come out of Utah even more roughed up, uh, sure. because the next game is against Cal at Berkeley, and that's a winnable game. And then BYU's been kind of up and down, so yeah, there's a chance well. for them to win their final two games of the year. Um, but if they get roughed up at Utah, that could really affect those other two games. So I think the bigger key for them is just. Come out here, dunk it slaughtered, and come away uh, unscathed. And anybody going into this game that's like 50-50 health-wise that can maybe use another week, I would treat this as a bye week for those guys and just make sure they're healthy for Cal. So Makes a lot of sense, as you mentioned. And if anything else, if you guys take anything away from this uh, segment, don't forget Panda Facts. That's where we bring Ben Parker on coming at you for. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's tough for them. So Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about some of the matchups that kind of are intriguing in this game in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Underdog Fantasy. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football this season. Guys, Underdog is super easy to get set up, downloaded. Then you just got to see if you think players are going to go higher or lower in their total. So if you think Cam's in for a big bounce back game, make sure you go higher in that regard. If you think Bryce Young is in for a nice bounce back game against Ole Miss, make sure you go higher in his passing yards. And that's what's nice about Underdog Fantasy. You can mix and match different players to fill your lineup and get in on the action guys underdog fantasy allows you to pick between two and five players across any team they're available in over 30 states including here in utah not just the utes decide if they will finish higher or lower one of the easiest fantasy games to play out there and you can win cold hard cash in a single game sign up with promo code locked on that's once again one word and underdog will double your first deposit up to 100 once again that's promo code locked on one word to double your first deposit up to 100 dollars deposit 100 get a free 100 go to underdog.com or the or find the underdog app in app store and google play store that's underdog fantasy promo code locked on one word get in on the college football pickup action today so ben coming back into this one talk about the matchups that make this one exciting for me i'm curious about as you mentioned the stanford offensive line against a utah pass rush a stanford offensive line that Struggled last week against the Washington State pass rush. Gave up some pressure on McKee in this one. I'm looking then at this Utah pass rush, a unit that struggled for a lot of the year to get home with just four. They're missing Van Fillinger for the second straight game. 
I'm excited to see what the Utes defensive line can do, if they can get pressure with four or if they're going to have to continue to blitz in order to get that pressure. And how do you think this one's going to shake out? Because I do feel like the Utes are going to be able to get another three sack performance in this one, but I think it'll be another example of there's going to be some plays, McKee has a little bit of time, and there's going to be some plays where the Utes are able to get home. I think we're going to see a little bit of both in this one. Yeah, I would agree. I think the I think that's a, I think that's a good matchup for sure to keep an eye on. Um, you know, the one thing, as I said, going into this one that um, David Shaw did mention this week was he felt the offensive line is healthier for them than it's been in recent weeks. They got they got more guys back, um, and guys have gotten more experience. So I do think how the offensive line does for Stanford against the Utah pass rush is definitely going to be an interesting matchup to see. Um, and I would flip it as well. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Stanford's pass rush yeah. goes against Utah's offensive line because that's been kind of the one – that's been kind of a bright spot for Stanford at mm-hmm. times has been their pass rush. I mentioned David Bailey. I mentioned R.G. Cooper. Uh, they got a singer, Stephen Heron, on the outside edge as well. They got some good edge rushers. Yeah, Heron. I um, have that sex. Are, that are capable. Yeah, they got, they got guys on the edge that can bring the heat too. Um, so I think um, pass rush is going to be big on both sides. Um but the difference there is to Utah's advantage is that Cameron Ryzen is much more mobile mm-hmm. than Tanner McKee is. McKee is not as is not as mobile. So one thing that I would be interested to see too, um, kind of going off that, is how Stanford uses their freshman quarterback Ashton Daniels this week because he's much more of a mobile runner type, uh, kind of cut out more out of the Tim Tebow cloth, um, where he's more of a dual threat kind of running quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. And those guys sometimes tend to do better against the pass rush. So I think that, yeah, it's interesting to see how McKee does. Um, but I'm also curious to see uh, how Stanford utilizes Ashton Dan, because I mentioned how the running game is so depleted. Um, they've been looking at using Ashton a bit as a, as a running back or kind of a, or put him out there with, with McKee at times. So that's going to be something to look for as well as how, how, how Stanford uses Ashton, because they're going to need him to do some, some things for them in the ground game, because they really don't have any real good runners outside of yeah, I love that you brought that up on the other side of the ball, too. This is the Utah offensive line that had a lot of new players coming in, a couple new guys playing new positions. They've come together pretty well as of late. They were good against Arizona, gave up the lone sack, but outside of that, did a good job keeping Cam rising clean. Uh, right, right side of the offensive line has been a little bit of an issue, but Satala Laumea, their first-year right tackle who started at right guard for them the past two seasons, has really started to settle in over there. Michael mm-hmm. Mokofisi feels like he's getting more comfortable, and even if Paul Miley, their starting center, doesn't play, Johnny Maia, who started last week, had a good game. So it's going to be fun because this is a Stanford team capable of getting after the quarterback a little bit, and be interesting to see if they're capable of doing it once again in fun fashion. So flipping it over to the other side of the ball, then that matchup that intrigues me is that Stan- we mentioned that Stanford front. I'm just talking about the pass rush for that Stanford defensive line versus the youths. But I'm curious about this Utah running game because on the season, if you look at it overall, Stanford isn't given up the 300 yards on the ground. They gave up last year to Utah or against even last week to Washington state. They're only giving a lot. They're only giving up. 215 on the season. So I think the interesting thing then is, does that continue against Utah? You look at the Stanford team and look, Utah wants to run the ball. We said, we don't know what Cam Rising's health is going to look like exactly. I do feel like the Utes have another productive rushing day. I don't know if they'll go for over 300 in this one because I just, I don't feel like the game will be super close because like we mentioned, it'll be 24. So I don't know if there's as much of a need to, I think some of those runs, you'll get some of the backups in late. So it'll be those short five yard runs that just kind of kill the clock. But I do expect the use to be very productive on the ground. And I could see, I do think Tavion Thomas will go over a hundred yards again, something that he hasn't done in a while because he's been dealing with a couple things off the field was away from the team 
uh, against the Washington State game. So I, I do feel like the youths will have success on the ground and be able to get some more confidence in the ground game. But I don't know if it'll be as productive as last year because, look, it's just hard to predict three guys to go for over 100 yards again. Yeah, no, and I think for Stanford, I think that's that's uh, that's got to be goal number one here is stopping the run. Um, and the and you know, I mean, a reason why they regressed last week against Washington State was because on that first drive, those four guys went down. Kendall Williamson went down. Levante De Mooney went down. Ricky Miazon went down, um, and uh, one other guy went down. And so, um, so that was hard for them to adjust. That was it was hard for those guys to adjust to that. Um, but they, they have been doing better uh, stopping the run this year defensively. They have been better. Um, and if they can get some of those guys back, like I said, you know, maybe wait for big game if needed um, against Cal. That's more important at this point. But, um, but yeah, they've been doing better in that department. Um, guys have been filling their gaps better. Guys have been hitting harder. So, um, yeah, I would agree with you. I would, I would be surprised if Utah runs on them to the same degree as last year. Yeah. Um, but still, if I'm Utah, the the first thing I do is I just test that run defense and just say, okay, show, uh, prove, prove to us that you're, in fact, better than you were last year. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think it's going to be interesting to see if Utah can prove that in the running department, which they're not as strong as they were last year, so we'll have to watch and See what they're capable of in this one. We're going to come back and wrap up with one last intriguing matchup for this game. But first, I want to talk to you guys about UCCU. Guys, as you know, interest rates are on and inflation are on the rise. So UCCU is here to help. They're offering a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. Plus, you can jump up to an even higher rate of return anytime during the life of your certificate. So I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but interest rates and inflation, as I mentioned, they're on the rise. So there's some good news. UCCU can help you use this current rise in rates to your advantage. For a limited time, UCCU is offering a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. What's the savings certificate? Is that like a savings account? Yes, a savings certificate is similar to a savings account. Both are great ways to earn a safe return on your money over time. But here's the difference. Savings accounts typically come with unlimited deposits and withdrawals. But a savings certificate, you just make one deposit and then let your money grow and grow and grow and grow with a fixed rate of return that's a much higher than a standard saving account. How much higher? Let's just say a lot higher. Visit uccu.com to learn more or get a savings certificate today. UCCCU is here for you guys to help you guys out. And remember, for a limited time, they're offering that 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00% and a variety of terms and options to match your specific needs. Visit uccu.com today to learn more and get a savings certificate today. Love where you bank, UCCU. Also, want to talk to you guys about Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts spike na- nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% of their award-winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Or your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and a greater peace of mind this holiday season. Guys, I love Simply Safe because just simply reliable in there whenever you need it. An emergency 24-7 professional monitoring agency use fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get a priority police response. That 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than a dollar a day, less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. So with the top rated 
Simply Safe apps stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere. Arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust your system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash URL today. This is your biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So coming back in with Ben. Ben, we lost you there for a second, but we're able to get you back in. Appreciate you being ready to go on your toes. And uh, any other matchups that you think are going to be interesting to see or maybe some of those younger players, as you mentioned, for Stanford that could potentially play in this one that you want to see how they're going to hold up against the, some of the veterans of Utah, a team that did return 17 starters coming into this year? Yeah, so before I cut out, hopefully you got the part that I think if I'm Utah, I start with testing the Stanford run. That's what I was trying to say before I cut yeah. off this. <laughs> Test that run and see. Test that run defense and say, okay, prove to us that you're better in that department than last year. That's that's been the problem for them all year. Well, that was a big problem from last year, and it's still a bit of a weak spot. Um, I mean, as far as like other things to look for, I mean, I guess one other thing too is is going to be special teams. Um, probably the best player in Stanford's team is their kicker, Joshua Cardi. He he yeah. is he he's been huge. Um, and you got to talk about him. You know, he, he they they the Arizona State game was all field goals. He made all. Five of his field goals, um, yeah, um, and was just absolutely clutch um, in that one. So, so um, yeah, I, I would look at I would look, oh, got look at Joshua Cardi, um, the matchup with Cardi um, as a big one. Um. Looks like we lost Ben again, so I'm not sure if we'll be able to get him back. But uh, until he does come back, look as as you mentioned, when it comes to to Utah in this game, I just I feel like the Utes are going to roll. They're going to be able to get the win. So all these matchups in terms of what we're talking about, it's just how intriguing are they to make? It's a nice opportunity for Stanford to get a little bit of that experience, and then as well as those guys, just the opportunity on special teams, as you were talking about, Ben, before we lost you again, having a little bit of Wi-Fi issues at the moment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it just feels like a nice opportunity for the Stanford team to get some of that experience against a good team, especially for those younger players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, with Cardi, like I said, you know, he's just such a, he's just such a weapon for them. Um, Stanford can't just do field goals the entire time. they got to get in the end zone. Yeah. Um, but if they could get in the end zone a couple times, um, then, I mean, the Josh Cardi factor could be interesting. Um, yeah. He's really, really, really good. Um, and, um, you know, yeah, he's, 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 he, he's, he might be their best NFL prospect on the entire team. He's that good of a kicker. So um, how they use him will be interesting to see. Obviously, they go, they got to find that end zone. But um, jo- Josh Cardi's a guy to talk about because, um, you know, Utah Stanford's a team where if they get in field goal range, um, unless they turn the ball over, um, it's a guaranteed three points from at a minimum. So I guess I would say one other thing for Stanford is going to be ball security. Um, yeah, that was a big issue. That was horrible last week. Um, and there were guys that were fumbling the balls that shouldn't be fumbling balls. I understand Mitch Lakeberg, the running back, fumbling it. He's not used to playing that position. Um, I get why he would have some troubles with it. But, I mean, you know, junior tight end Benjamin Urasik, senior wide receiver Elijah Higgins. Those guys got to take care of the ball. So I think ball security is going to be big. So if, if Stanford can find the end zone a couple times and secure the ball, hang on to it, and make sure that worst-case scenario, if they get across a 50, they at least get a field goal, that will allow them to at least avoid like a, a huge blowout. 
What do you think about Tanner McKee? I think that was a guy a lot of people coming in this year were looking at like, wait, NFL prospect, we'll see what he can do. And it's been really quiet on that front. So how much of Stanford's issues this year do you think fall at McKee? And do you think he's a guy who is capable of playing elite ball at the next level? And I should even ask this. Do you hope he comes back next this for next year? I think Stanford definitely hopes he comes back for next year. I think that mm-hmm. he's their best option for next year at quarterback. Um, I think – Part of his problem has been the fact that the offensive line has not been what they thought it would be. Losing Bragg for the entire year was tough. Um, and there's just been a lot of guys in and out of that rotation. And so it's hard for him to get into a groove. Offensive line is is shaky. And then he hasn't had a real running game to work with all season long. Um, and then his favorite receiver, Michael Wilson's out for the – well, maybe he comes back, but it's likely out for the year. So – um, I think he's done about as well as he can be expected to do, given the circumstances. Um, but as I was saying, he's not the most mobile quarterback in the world. Um, and as far as his NFL prospects are concerned, I think he could benefit from another year of college ball before he goes to the NFL. That's kind of my feeling. Um, so so I, mean, I, don't, I definitely think he's done as well as he can be expected to do. Um, but there are certain limitations he has just in terms of mobility. Um, and, you know, he's still a pretty young quarterback in terms of, you know, last year was his first time as a starter. Um, and this is really his first time coming into a season knowing he's going to be the starter. So um, sure. I, I definitely think they could use another year with him. Um, and then the other quarterback, Ashton Daniels, they got Scott Byfield. So I think they hope in that they can they can figure out a way to use, you know, both McKee and Daniels for next year. And let's say those guys come back. What else does Stanford need to do? Not it's probably it's not going to be a one year turnaround. But what does Stanford need to do to get back in the thick of this race? Is a team who, with Christian McCaffrey, Bryce Love, you mentioned just not so long ago, was in the contention for college football playoff spots, were battling for Pac-12 titles and, and winning them too. What what do they need to do to get back there? Well, you mentioned those names, Bryce Love and Christian McCaffrey. Those were the elite running backs. And if you kind of look at the fall of Stanford football from that from that era to now, the big difference is that this current Stanford team does not have an elite running back right now. They don't yeah. have one, and they need to get one. Um, and their hope is that EJ Smith could be that for them. Um, but we don't know yet because he missed the entire year this year, basically. So he's he's, he's red-shirted, and we'll have two more years. So I think it starts with EJ. They, they need EJ Smith to, like, be better than – any of us thought he would be. Um, and so if he becomes the elite running back that they think he's capable of being um, and that offensive line develops and gets better and, and stabilizes, I think that more than anything would change things for them because I actually think defensively they're getting better. Um, I mentioned those young freshmen they got up from with Cooper and Bay. Those guys are going to be good. So I think it really comes down to whether or not EJ Smith can be the guy running back. And maybe he will. I mean, a guy who I think he kind of reminds me of, um, I, I don't think he's Christian McCaffrey level, but um, a guy who played across the Bay uh, or in the South Bay at San Jose State, a guy named Tyler Irvin. I'm not sure if you remember that name or not, but he missed his entire junior year at San Jose State, had like one touch, missed the entire junior year. He's like a 5'10", a little, little smaller than EJ, but similar in terms of being a guy that um, was kind of an all-purpose back, um, that could return kicks. Be a receiver, kind of do, kind of like, kind of like McCaffrey, kind of like a B grade Christian McCaffrey. Um, after missing his entire junior season, Tyler Irvin just teared, like just like dominated at San Jose State. Had a really strong redshirt junior year, and then really exploded uh, in his redshirt senior year, his fifth year at San Jose State, um, and ended up being a fourth round selection in the NFL draft for the Houston Texans. So, 
that's a guy who I think EJ Smith could end up being. Um, it's not, he's, I don't think he's the next Christian McCaffrey, but it could be the next Tyler Irvin. And Tyler Irvin was pretty good. So that that's a guy who, that's who, what they need, I think, is they need him to really like explode. Um, and then also, too, just in general, the defense needs to just get better and um, everything. So I, I think that's really the big, that's the biggest key is they, they, they're missing that elite running back. So. Be interesting to see if they can get it turned around in all those regards. It'll be interesting to see if it's David Shaw at the helm who does it or if the Cardinals do opt to make a change in their department. Personally, I might think about a change. I think sometimes a message just wears stale and you've been there so long. But look, Coach Shaw has done so much for this team. Could definitely argue he deserves another opportunity to see what he can do with them. Either way, it's going to be an interesting offseason for Stanford on, look, this Saturday, what should be dominated by the Utes. But Ben, what did the Panda do? What, did, what about Pandas again? Well, for for twenty four to seventy two hours a year, once a year, yes. a female panda is capable of that. conceiving a cub. Yes, so <laughs> so anything is possible. Appreciate you, Ben, for joining us. Make make sure you guys check out rivals.com, Stanford for Ben's coverage at Slam Dunk four hundred six on Twitter. Ben, it was great having you on. Appreciate you. Anytime, JT. Thank you so much. Make sure you guys, for your second listen, go check out Locked On Sports today for the best stories in sports, the biggest stories, the take of the day. Locked On Sports has you covered daily with lots of great content. Check them out today, and we will be back with you tomorrow on Locked On Utes, but thank you for listening today.